Hey, whoa, hey, this week on Two Dynamite Dudes, Marcus is back to talk the debut of Keith Lee, as well as Jay White paying a visit to old Bullet Club buddies, CM Punk tags up with John Moxley against FTR, Wardlow leaning more towards that babyface turn as we get closer and closer to Revolution, plus we also talk Tony Khan talking, contract expiring, and much, much more this week on Two Two Who. Oh, it's two. Yes, I said two dynamite dudes on a rampage. This is Dominic D'Angelo, WrestleZone.com, and man, I mean, we gotta welcome back the babyface killer himself. Not a babyface, fucking asshole. Actually, I have uh, a babyface now. Asshole, Marcus D'Angelo is back after Marcus. It's been over a month. I checked a month since you've been on the show. What the fuck? Uh, that Dom, it's I'm I'm in the biz. Yes, <laughs> not not really. I'm I'm in the podcasting biz, uh, but just uh, busy, dude. What is this? Busy, busy as hell. This is the one that doesn't fucking pay me. <laughs> Nasha, what's up? Thank you. I I appreciate the commentary on my my clean shavenness. Dominic called me a baby face, but not in this way. He wasn't referring to how baby faced I look right now. My wife says I look like I should be in high school. No, that was Marcus. I, that was spot on how I referred to you. I called you a baby face because of your face. You're a fucking asshole because you haven't been here. It's a, hey, man, it's a, it's such is such is the life of of the podcast world. And Dominic, you're dipping the toe a little bit, um, so I, I think you understand. I know. I get it to an extent. I get it. I do understand. Yeah, Dominic. Dominic is helping out a little bit with podcast heat. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's keeping busy over there. I'm working for ad-free shows. So busy, busy time. Steven Chambers, what's up, brother? What's uh, up, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. I missed you guys. You know, we we built a little community here. This is like this is like I'm I'm like a shitty friend, right? You know, Real I, shitty friend. I just like I I don't call all the time, but when I do call, it's always fun. <laughs> we try to we try to make the most of it. That's here. right. I'll take you out for a night of drinking, and then I just don't talk to you for like you three just, months. Don't respond yeah. to text. Don't do anything. But guess what? I'll be back in another three months, and we're gonna go out for a night of drinking. <laughs> it's gonna be wonderful. <laughs> well, yes, no, uh, that was just my comparison on shitty friends. I got you. What's on your mug, by the? Is that uh, from Friends? No, Friends. Oh, Marcus, you don't have any. That's friends. funny. You have that mug. Hey, Nesha would disagree. I think Stephen Chambers would disagree. So uh, all of our regulars, Dom. Hmm. All right. Well, no, I disagree. <laughs> so, but Marcus, Dom, Nesha's, Nesha's ready to tag in. She keeps calling for me to be fired. Uh, I think I think she's ended the job. Uh, Dom, just just tag her in. Give her my job. <laughs> she was gunning for it last week. I tell you that much. I was flying solo, and that's how it goes. You know, you might get Wally pipped. <laughs> 
It is what it is. Uh, Jason Michael Campbell, he says, what's up, guys? It's been a while. I've been stuck at home and talk today. I was uh, finally able to get back out to the gym after taking some time away uh, oh, due to quarantine. quarantine. Uh, oh, glad you're okay, man. Glad you yeah. yeah, you had COVID, but it uh, seems like you're doing all right. And let me tell you, man, it's, uh, it is it is rough once you get away from the gym to get back at it. I was just telling, my, just telling my wife yesterday, we, I have a heavy bag that I bought literally a year ago, and I haven't hung it yet. So I'm, as soon as I feel better, I'm working on a little uh, sinus infection here. As soon as I feel better, I'm hanging that piece of shit up. And I'm going to carve out like 30 minutes a day. If you had to put a wrestler on your heavy bag to hit, what wrestler would you choose? One wrestler is like face on my heavy yes. bag. Oh, gosh. That's a hard question because it's like I don't, I don't really dislike anybody in the business. You know, it's like if I dislike them, it's just because they're doing a good job of being a heel. Um, so so I guess what it should be dumb is like who would make me feel tough if I was like punching him without getting punched back? I'm going with Batista. As he's, he's, the animal. he's a bad motherfucker. So if I can hit him and not get hit back, it's a little it's a little like ego boost. Yes. Yes, I like it. What about you, Dom? That's what I would do before I punched him. I would have one hand ungloved so I could do this. Glove. Yes. <laughs> Watch the heavy bag somehow knock you out. I would... Hmm, to stay current, I think I'd go MJF, right? Makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the best heel in the biz, dude. Best right? heel in the he biz. He is the best heel I'll in the I'll tell you what. He leveled up uh, last time there against CM Punk. Yes, Beat him twice. Did. Twice in one night, Dom. Uh, yeah, uh, let's actually just talk about that a little bit. That's how we'll start off. You have a lot uh, to catch up on. Yeah. So let's get weird your... on my floor over there. Give me a sec. What's happened? Something's on his floor. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, yes, I think MJF really cultivated and continued, uh, some good heel work this week as he like, just did not basically give any credit to Uh, Marcus. What happened there? What was that? Boy, I, I, there was something. It was something on my floor. I was like, "What is that? Like a fucking dead mouse?" I went over and it was a uh, dryer lint that my cat drug drug out. Um, <laughs> it's, I I strongly considered just not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> hey, I'm out for cigarettes. I'll be right back. Yeah, be right back. Be right back, guys. See you in another. <laughs> see you in another three weeks. There. See you. See you soon. <laughs> uh, but um. No, Mark, let's get your thoughts on specifically. Let's just go with that match. CM Punk versus MJF didn't get your take last week, obviously. Let's get it now. Yeah, it was uh, it was the right answer. You know, it's uh, CM Punk. He's like uh, he's like he's like Barry Windham back in the day where like Barry was just like he was such a talented performer. He didn't really need the accolades of winning. Didn't really need to have a belt like he was just so good at what he did. He was just over. Everybody knew that he was awesome. So he was over. Um, I look like Veer. <laughs> no, Veer is the guy that they keep teasing that becoming the WWE and he never shows up. Oh, oh, I thought she said I look like Veer. I was like, I don't see it, but okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's Sen Marcus. Sen Marcus. But... Yeah, he'll never come. <laughs> <laughs> never show um, up. Low hanging fruit. I'm gonna skim right over it, Dom. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, uh, but in any case, uh. Yeah, it's they they did kind of CM Punk didn't need to win. He didn't need to win, but I'll tell you what, uh MJF very much benefited from the win. Yes. I and you know what? That's CM Punk's first loss 
in what like seven years well, how long has it been since 2014 now no yeah. eight years eight years eight years done crazy crazy so yeah no i thought that match i talked about it last week it was good uh yeah i really just liked the pacing it's such a different vibe when you have a cm punk or mjf match going on and those two together is the the good stuff so um let the mensa meeting commence mensa what is mensa marcus I, why did i just hear that i just I heard that I don't know. I keep hearing it too, and I I don't remember this. This dude is burning us probably, and we don't even know it. I don't know. Hey Barry, thanks for the Mensa meeting. We're yeah, Barry. If that's a compliment, thanks. If it's not, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, (laughs) Marcus. Way to cultivate a viewing audience. No, I was, what? Yeah, I was gonna say we've said this on the show before. If you guys come on here to trash us, it's fine. uh, I I just have a good time doing it. Steven says, thought for a second Wardlow would be Punk's partner for a perfect face turn, but it looks like Wardlow face turn at Revolution. Yeah, it really teased that. Let's get into that, Mark. Um, I wasn't going to start with that, but I think it is an appropriate thing. To just do I, thought it, I thought it was happening during that match. I was like, all right, Ward, this is it. Uh, Dominic wants Wardlow to be a baby. Oh, yeah, face. you mean Punk, and, Punk versus MJF? Yeah, when he yeah. came out. Oh, I thought that was, was like, going to happen too then. That was my thought. I was like, do you think they should have pulled the trigger time? then? Or do you ultimately think, hey, this is still going to be good? Like, it's the payoffs coming, and it's going to be even better than what maybe could have happened there. That's a hard question because you know, like, uh, CM Punk needed an out, right? He needed he needed some some cheating and whatnot to to take the L. But here's the thing: is like MJF already cheated once and got the win that way. I think it would have been a little bit better if maybe Wardlow is just no. No, it, I, it, if you're going to turn Wardlow babyface, he shouldn't have come out at all. It should just happen in another segment. It doesn't belong in that segment. It's a good point. No, that's a good point. You know, right. I think, um, and you know, I think it kind of adds to the breaks up the the uh, predictability of what we've grown to learn, like been accustomed to with pro wrestling. Like, hey, this is the formula that goes. Okay, MJF cheated the first time, so he's not going to win or something's going to happen where punk beats him somehow or something goes down. No, that's MJF still won, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of wish that they would have just ended whenever he choked him out with like the rope or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, CM Punk calls the bullshit card and the audience gets behind him. And then we go to another match and then it happens again in another way. And then they have a third match and he beats him clean at the same night. Or do you mean like different? No, different nights different nights okay yeah so like the third match everybody would be like oh well mjf has won twice and he's cheated both times well then you swerve everybody by having him go over clean against punk the third time for the blow off that's interesting <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with the blow off when this comes it's going to be the same thing that happened with jericho where uh jericho gives him some wins and then gets his win back but to your point, I really think Punk could lose and be okay. Like he's like Teflon. Like I agree, you know? I agree. But it's it's wrestling, dude. Like that is that's what they do. The baby face has got to end strong. It's a baby face territory, as uh, as uh, Bruce likes to say about WWE back in the day. Uh, and I think that that's just how they're gonna do it. The baby face has got to end strong. Yeah, I guess I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's like yeah, you can further. Yeah, you know what? And it, MJF. He's just working the top programs. He's being a heel. Heels lose. Heels should ultimately lose. So, yeah. That plays into that. I think that MJF is going to be the new champion of AEW oh, sure. for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one thing, uh, Hangman Page is a, 
is a heel and he needs or is a baby face and he needs a heel to work against. Uh, so ultimately, who who better to beat him than the best heel in wrestling? Um, and also his contract, I believe, is coming up soon ish MJF. And so I think that you could really entice him to stay and just justify him by putting the belt on him and saying, like, hey, let's see how he does his champion. If he makes us some money, then we we give him more money. That's true. You know, and MJF is very much money. So I think um, incorporating him into all that is, is the way to go. Sure. I think, yeah, he's he's as good as it gets, man. He's, he's good in the ring. Uh, great on the mic. Uh, good look. He's 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 got he checks every box. Plus, you don't want him to uh, take a big money deal with WWE and then have WWE just bury him. Dude, it's unbelievable. I was just thinking today, like Ricochet. Where where the fuck is Ricochet? Is he even on right now? Can somebody tell me? Like honestly, yeah. I really I could not tell you either way if he's on Raw, SmackDown, or if he's even on TV right now. I I don't know. <laughs> you know what's really funny is is that. Uh, Back in the day, it used to be like Vince would entice talent to not go to WCW because he'd say like, hey, they're not going to know what to do with you. They're going to ruin you. They're going to make you look like shit. You know, stay with me. I I know how to promote you. I know how to make you a star. And he was right at the time, uh, at least in most cases, not in the case of Paul and Nash. But um, but now it's the reverse, right? Where it's like now if you go to WWE, you're going to just get fucking buried and then released like a year later. And It like it honestly. I if I was a talent and I was in if and I had the choice AEW for a little bit less money, WWE more money, I'd be like, uh, I might have to go to AEW just for like the sake of future Marcus. Right? Yeah. Like, cause y'all, you almost got to think of it like when you're. It's I make a lot of football analogies, but this one I think kind of works. Okay, you can go to a team where yeah, you're gonna be the featured player, you're gonna be the highest paid player, all that stuff. Or, or you can make a decision maybe to take, hey, a little less money and you play with, like, say, the Patriots or you play with uh, an established team like the Packers or something like that. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to work my way and I'm going to go to, you know, uh, win a Super Bowl. And then look, when I'm done and retired, I'm a Super Bowl champion, you know, whereas that other t- I could have went for a whole bunch of money to fucking uh, the Miami and nothing happens. Or my New York Jets and nothing happens. And um, like, so you become a maybe a star player, but your name doesn't have any cachet anymore. Like your star yes. fades. The only thing that would that would draw you, I think, right now as a talent to WWE is, well, what, for one thing, probably it's way more money, I would assume. Uh, sure. I don't. I don't know what the pay scale is like either, in but... AEW, but I would guess that just because a WWE is what they are, you probably make more money if you go there. But the other thing is like, it's also kind of like. Uh, like, a, hey, guess what? I, I realized my dream. You know, when I was a kid, I loved WWF yeah. or WWE. And now look at me. I made it. I made it to the top. I watched it when I was a kid, and now I'm doing it. So I, I think that that is a big draw as well for a lot yeah, of people. Absolutely. It's like, it's got that feel like, hey, this is the goal. Like, I want to play for the NFL, you know? Right. I want to play, you know, I want to be a NFL football player. And, like, for better or for worse, WWE has been that flagship wrestling show for the better part of 20 years so when when these guys were kids coming up they weren't saying like boy i can't wait to go work for some wrestling company they were saying no i can't wait to go work for wwe i'm gonna make it one day so like i get it i do but 
I do think that you have to think about your long-term future. And if you're getting buried in front of the probably the biggest wrestling audience on the face of the planet right now, uh, I don't know if that's good. It's not good. It's not good. And it's like they aren't using it right. I mean, it's just crazy to think how much talent has is still there and has been through there and weren't utilized. Like, and it's just like, man, like, cause you look back, I mean, I remember seeing Ricochet before, you know, when he was, you know, in Lucha Underground and all that stuff and being pumped. It's like, this guy is going to go fucking places. And you see him in NXT and he's like looking like that too. But then it's just nothing, nothing. Dom, a uh, couple things I wanted to touch on here from, from our listeners. Uh, Steven Chambers said, Adam Cole, new champ. Uh, I Honestly, uh, you could justify it. You really could. Um, because Adam Cole is so fucking over um, every time he goes out there. I mean, you can't, you can't pay for a reaction. Like, he gets like the... It's like parallel universes of reactions. Uh, you get the giant babyface reaction for Hangman Page. Then you get a giant borderline babyface reaction from fans for Adam Cole. Adam Cole. So, I mean, putting those two in a match against each other is really fun. Um, what do you think? Could you justify putting the strap on Cole? Probably not this early. No, not this early, I would say. But I think they have a very easy out in this regard. You look at the, the chess pieces that have been get, kind of getting put into play here with him teaming up with the red dragon again. So you have the undisputed era back together. Then um, you kind of see the little tension between the young bucks and all those guys. Then even at now, I mean, we've been, we haven't talked about him yet and I want to talk about him here in a little bit, but Jay white is like kind of showing all his face around and stuff like that. And he helped the young bucks on rampage. Um, let's, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. What's next on the old agenda. Yeah. But, uh, but to that point, Marcus, what I'm getting at mm. is uh, I think you can see the Young Bucks maybe fucking hang, uh, not Hangman, Adam Cole over somehow or something to that effect going where like there's a division between, you know, the super click and then now you have the new era, Undisputed Era kind of thing. And then you have a babyface Cole, to your point, getting those babyface reactions, embrace it, you know, in that kind of regard. So something kind of I, I think I like Cole better as a heel than a baby face. I know he's getting baby face ish reactions, but uh-huh. that's just, I think a lot of that has to do with that. He's got cool music and he's so recognized uh, due to his time in NXT. But like, I like him as a heel. I especially like him as a heel. Here's how you get heat on Adam Cole is keep having him fuck with Tony Schiavone. Oh yeah. Cause everybody loves Tony and just make him that, like that condescending douchey, jealous boyfriend. He's good at it. Yes. It's uh-huh. honestly, it's it's the only way to get heat on him because he's he's over. He is over. But I meant, I mean, like, can't go against the grain too much because if you do turn a baby face, you know, you have a hot act already. So you make him the top baby face, you know, where he's maybe seeing eye to eye in regards to with the champion of Hangman Page. And you guys got, pun not intended to be on the same page with one another. Then you got some some uh, storylines built in, some major storylines built in. Um, Nesha thinks Cole turns on the Bucks. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it. I like, I the, like the Bucks as heels, right? Yeah, I like all of them as heels. And I like them as like this annoying heel unit. Because like, let's face it, dude. Uh, it's I know that like it, it kind of goes against uh, like Cornette sort of thinking. Uh, when they do that whole like run the ropes and then like give him a kiss on each cheek. I know that Cornette hates it. But guess what? It kind of gets heat. Yes. So like 
in this in this new era of wrestling you don't have to like it but like if you want to get heat you've got to get pretty creative and like every time i see it i'm like god these fucking guys with the spot <laughs> and then uh, then i catch myself and i'm like oh yeah they're they're actually just doing what they're supposed to do. i'm supposed to say oh these fucking guys, <laughs> these guys with these fucking spots right, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it, it sort of works. It sort of does work. Um, okay, yeah, let's talk about Jay White here a little bit. Shows up, throws uh, Rocky Romero into the production truck just out of it's, nowhere. Which too. was a nice bump by Rocky Romero. Rocky Romero's great. I like Rocky. He's like, across the board, I like him. The, the, the name, the look, the way he wrestles. What of that? I think, I think ahead of it, Rocky Romero was like, how do I make this look realistic? I'll just fucking actually do it. <laughs> you know what? Just I'll just fucking... run my face into this fucking truck. Take a header right into the truck. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, he shows up. Then he attacks Trent Beretta at the end of uh, his match there on Rampage. And now we have Jay White actually wrestling on Rampage next week against Trent Beretta. Nesha's so. saying that uh, he was on Impact on Thursday. That yes, is he is. He's, he was a big factor on impact uh that the forbidden door is just fucking flinging around um. and you, it's like it's rotating you know what um on impact too he's more in a baby face role like he is like feuding with uh the good brothers and feuding with uh eric young's violent by design so uh, uh, you know this just gave me a fun idea how yeah. neat would it be to have somebody who's a baby face on one program and a heel on another kind of like bret hart being a heel in america and a baby face in canada that'd be kind of neat how do you, it would be hard to manifest that nowadays with smart fans, but still. I'm trying it's cool. to think if they did that with somebody on Dynamite though, on AEW before. Like Kenny was there. No, I think everybody pretty much remained in their roles. Like Kenny was a heel on Impact, he's a heel on Dynamite. This is kind of different though. Like Jay White's like you know, he's like the cool leader. Like because they got Tamatonga there and they have Tangaloa and you know um, Chris Bay and jeez, uh, who's the other guy that's there with them too? Jeez, I'm blanking. But anyways. Bull clubs there, and they're kind of the baby faces, like going up against these heel heel teams. So, uh, but yeah, Jay White. Um, do would you like to see him long term in AEW, or uh, like we're going to touch upon the roster here in a little bit overall? Did I say that right? I said it right, right? You were like you kind of. I the walked. I walked the thin yeah. line there. Um, but yeah, um, Marcus. Jay White in AEW, uh, long-term thing, short-term thing? What do you think? I don't know. Uh, I suspect that he is almost doing like a Brian Pillman thing right now where he's just like, so, hey, I'll just, I'll just kind of bounce around until somebody gives me the most money humanly possible, yeah. um, which, which, by the way, I understand and respect. Uh, but really, Dom, you know, I know you said you wanted to talk about roster later, and we, and we will, as we always do. But like, uh, realistically, I'm like, do I want him to stick around? Maybe. Like, it really depends on what Tony Khan's got planned here. Because like, I saw he just signed another uh, female talent as well. I mean, we yeah, got APA. right. We've got Keith Lee. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like, it's, I'm, how are they fitting all these people into their fucking locker rooms at this point? I mean, it's it is jam packed in AEW, just like it's jam-packed in WWE, but here's the thing. AEW's got two programs. WWE's got three. Yeah. Um. So, even so, it, it, I... has got what? How many more hours than AEW? So... Right. And and go ahead and say, no, they've got Dark or Elevation or whatever other shit they're doing. It doesn't matter. The, nobody, nobody's watching it. You gotta count. You gotta count just what's on TV, I think. So, Rampage, you got Dynamite. 
as far as like, so look, you're bringing in all this, this big money talent and you're spending all this money. And so, okay, we've got to feature all these talent on TV. You're bumping into an issue now where it's just like, okay, so every quarter hour now of dynamite, I need to have one of these big stars in it. There's only so many quarter hours of dynamite. And then they're like, okay, well, every quarter hour now of rampage, you're still, you're still way over. Um, so I don't know how he's going to do it. I really don't. No, uh, I want to pull up that article. He, he's put himself into like the the 2002 Raw SmackDown draft sort of a position. Exactly. Hold on. Excuse just, me. Just un, unprofessional. There's a mute button, Dominic. Oh, I should have done that shit. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. I'm. I mean, Mark. It's. I was really gonna. Honestly, I was gonna bring that up. Uh. It is like to the level where you almost need to have a brand split of, of talent but you don't have enough air time to do that necessarily even so it's like because you look okay who got signed you got Danhausen, you got keith lee you got um aqa like those are just three names in the past like two weeks that got signed so look it's a two-hour program so in theory that's that's eight quarter hours where you've got a feature at least one of your big money talent in each of that time, CM Punk, Sting, MJF, uh, Adam Page, of course. Yes. Um, Cody. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Hangman Page. You just brought in Keith Lee, paid him. Danhausen. You Brian got Danielson, Brian, Dan- Brian Danielson. I haven't said him yet. Moxley. Moxley. So you're up to 10 right there. And Kenny comes back. If we got Young Bucks. <laughs> Orange Cassidy, did you say him? He's up there. Cassidy. Chris Jericho. <laughs> Keep going. I could, but like, dude, it, it's 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 fucked up. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the fuck. Britt Brit Baker, you got Thunder Rosa, who needs more TV time, way more TV time. Um, so yeah, he's he's worked himself into a corner a little bit. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I, it, let's talk about just Keith Lee showing up because, like, let me tell you, when he ahead. did that deal on Isaiah Cassidy. Oh yeah. I I think I've I've watched that online like at least twelve times because every yeah. time I watch it I'm like it, was there like did he have like one of those fucking like they use in movies to make people fly like one of those like <laughs> yeah yeah I know what you're talking about I as I was watching I was like how is that how is a human doing that to another human like I don't I don't remember seeing the giant do that shit to people are we at Universal Studios or something right it's like on? did they just fucking CGI wrestling what was that. <laughs> Oh, God, WWE does that with the fucking augmented reality. Nesha, thanks for pointing that out. Thunder Rose, a friend of the show. Didn't say it that time. Yes. Oh, Eddie yeah. Kingston, friend, Eddie friend of the show. How are you going to – you got to feature him in there. Uh-huh. Um, but no, man, it's uh, – they, they've worked themselves into a corner. But Keith Lee, hang on. Uh, Dom picks for the Super Bowl tomorrow. Jason wants to know. Stephen Chambers likes the Bengals. Who? Uh, yeah. I, I like the Bengals. I'm rooting for the Bengals. I want the Bengals to win. They're not going to win. Uh, the uh, The Rams – Defense is too good. Uh, between Jalen Ramsey just b- basically shutting down half the field in the secondary, and that defensive line is yeah. Like, but doesn't he like he was supposed to shut down um, somebody he was going up against? He didn't show well, tomorrow. He's matched up against a, a very talented but a rookie wide receiver, a very talented rookie wide receiver, but a rookie wide receiver. And he, I think he's going to eat him alive. He's going to shut down yep. that half. Yep, he's going to shut down that half of the field, and then that defense is going to be applying pressure. 
and the Rams are going to win. Anyways, let's get back MVP. to this. Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl MVP. Uh, probably Cooper Cup if he keeps playing like he's playing. It's a good point. And you know what? He didn't. He should have been like in contention for MVP overall. Kind of just shady. quietly had the group. Like nobody noticed how great he was until like week 12. And they're like, wait a minute. this Look at this fucking guy's stats. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Everybody's just like ignoring him. And then all of a sudden they're like, whoa, whoa he's pretty good at the football. <laughs> you know what? That guy's not bad. <laughs> um, Marcus. Yeah. Um, but back to the Keith Lee stuff. Um, I thought it was, did you, who were you predicting? To, to show up. Did you, did you think it was going to be Keith Lee? Uh, I, like, I like that you're saying this, and Nesha brought it up a little bit earlier, uh, that nobody would have guessed Keith Lee. Um, Steven <clears throat> did. Steven Chambers did. Steven, well done, sir. Uh, but, no, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was a I was a big mark about it, and I was like, I think uh, Wyndham Rotunda is going to show up here. Uh, so that was that was my guess. But then I saw this like photoshopped image online it was, that looked very photoshopped of like Keith Lee and and his his new wife there on uh, Mia on Yim. vacation. Yeah, me and him on vacation, and it, it like it looked photoshopped. I'm like, all right, so it's gonna be probably both of them, one of them. Oh uh, yeah, okay, because you called me before that, and I think you said something. Right. So I was like, you know, this this is happening for a reason that you don't just do a photoshopped thing of your honeymoon. It's it's weird. So I was like, OK, so it's it's going to be one or both of them. But no, before I saw that, I was like, man, I was like, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be Wyndham. Yeah, uh, we'll touch upon that here at Marcus. I mean, this is quite the question everybody's asking. Any idea? WCW rewritten? Come back ever. I'm, ever. I'm gonna, I gotta say, I'm I'm blown away that rewritten got over like it did. Uh, people really enjoyed it, which is I loved it. Marcus, yeah. I'm still excited of the prospects of what's going to happen. So, man, so let me tell you, this shit was gonna get wild. You want me to tell you guys what happens? Don't tell, Marcus. No, I'm, not, I'm not gonna tell. Uh, look, never say I, never. This is wrestling. Never say yeah, never. It, it is a never say never situation, but very much like. Uh, is it much like Vince was said never said uh, never to like Lex Luger after he showed up on Nitro? I it feels like Lex Luger showed up on Nitro at WCW where it's like I want to do it, but I am too fucking busy. Uh, I was I was working literally two minutes before I I got into this podcast on a Saturday evening, Dominic. So like I just I'm working a ton now. Like now a- look now look, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get a grip on it, a better grip on it, where it's consuming less of my time. Uh, where it's like, it's like any other job where like I get caught up and I work through it and I start to understand shortcuts. And so I'm, I'm getting where it's not insane anymore, but for a while there it was, if I'm awake and I'm not taking care of my child, I was working, um, for weeks. So that's, that's, that's the honest truth on why I haven't been jumping on here. Um, but I am getting a better grip on it. So, uh, you never know. I I, 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 Full disclosure. You don't know I where life's going to lead. I loved writing it. I would love to get back into it. And it was a lot of fun, dude. It was great. So. Now look, now look. Before we move on with this podcast, let me say one more thing about rewritten. Kevin Davis, what's up, man? Hey, uh, Kevin. But uh, I'll say this last thing. If I do bring it back, I think the only plausible way for me to handle the workload would be if we made it a once a month podcast, as opposed to once. It's a week. not bad either, and it could be more of a honed in kind of focused maybe even a little like 
you know, longer version, but just one month, you know? Right. I, mean? I think our recordings were averaging something like 30 minutes or so. Before. 30, 40 minutes. So bad. maybe, you know, it might be like an hour because I would have a month to write the whole thing, but we'll see how it goes. Kevin Davis in and out like a fast food restaurant, baby. Heck yeah. That's the way yeah. I handle it, man. I, you know, you got to respect it. He's like uh, grandpa Simpson comes in, <laughs> <laughs> hangs up the head, just spins right around, right out the door. Like like hey, he, he does it running though. And I got to appreciate it. Always, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Tells us we're doing a great job. Yeah, like it doesn't. Uh, we might be doing a terrible job. He has no fucking idea right now. Hey, he, you don't he know. <laughs> but I, I think we're doing it. a terrible job. Um, appreciate Marcus. The uh, so I was going to touch upon this, but uh, it's several people have commented already on this here. Uh, Jason Michael Campbell says Keith Lee is already being criticized for his weight in AAW. Um, That's silly. That's Keith silly. Lee, yeah, they say Keith Lee needs to lose some weight. Um, look. Honestly, Marcus, when he showed up, I had no idea that he gained weight. Zero clue. Like, I did. I did, he's always a big guy, so it's just like, all he right, looked, that's he looked the same is. as he did in WWE, didn't he? That's what I thought. And so, um, like, I look, and the other thing too, I noticed. And listen, when you're out for a couple months like that stuff, you know, I noticed like just a little bit of like timing was off here and there, just to, just just a touch. You know, against Isaiah Casty and stuff like that. Ultimately, though, Keith Lee is fucking athletic. Like the shit that he was doing, you don't see big men do that. A guy, a guy that's that size and weight, and he, you know, look, it, we we love the fact that he's so strong. He can do these incredible things. It's like, look, part of that is what he weighs. You know, it's like a dude who outweighs me by like 200 pounds or whatever, while he probably can't get around as well as I could. He could probably like he'd pick me up over his head and throw me across the room. You know, across the room. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I think that the, his weight and just general size mass is is it's kind of contributes to what we love about Keith Lee and the fact that he can do the crazy athletic stuff that he can at that weight. That makes it even more incredible. It's it's border. It reminds me a little bit of like the young, the giant Paul White when he was young, where it was like, you know, this dude is like seven feet tall, weighs like 500 pounds and he can do like a drop kick and he can he can kip himself up in the middle of the ring. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You just need him to be ripping some cigs. Like, yeah, that was that was a wild scene. But Dom, if the if they release a WCW figure where he's got like I, cigarettes, pack a Newport with him, and like the you've got a head with like a cigarette in the mouth, I'd, I'd buy thirty of them. Marcus, you'd have to. Mm-hmm. That would have to be your centerpiece on the fucking your WCW wall. I'd buy thirty of them, Dom. <laughs> and I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> uh, Warhawk uh, making a great point. I love this guy. Loves WCW rewritten. Makes good points. Uh, modern day yeah. Bam Bam, Bigelow or Vader. Perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably closer to Bam Bam, I would say, than Vader. Um, but I can see traits of both. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, a, I could easily picture Keith Lee doing the Bam Bam fucking moonsault and probably executing it better than Bam Bam did. Oh, um, yeah, you could probably see that for sure. Like, I mean, Bam Bam was very athletic, too. It's just, he was. He yeah. was. He was ahead of his time. Same with Vader too. I mean, Vader's like that, like that too. You know. I think I think we need to uh, band together as as fans and uh, make sure that Keith Lee eventually comes out wearing Bam Bam Bigelow gear for one of his matches. Oh, man. Listen, but like to to the point about like Lee and his look, you know, as long as he's healthy, you know, I don't care what he looks like. If he gains weight or whatever, he's a big dude. I I would expect him to gain weight. You know, like. Uh, sure, you want to work out and you know be in shape, but if he's in shape, that's not a problem. Like 
you don't necessarily like there's plenty of huge guys like that are carrying a lot of weight that are in great shape, you know, and that could do it like, you know, even Yokozuna, you know, was a big dude, but he was in shape for a while until he just ate himself out of oblivion. But let's like, you know, the guy's been out for a couple months. Uh, he did deal with health issues too. Um, so it's just like a lot of different things and he still looked good. He still wrestled good. You know, it's like people are quick to judge, but let's, let's just see how the cards lay out here. If like, you know, if it becomes an issue, it becomes an issue. If it doesn't like it's Keith Lee and he's been limitless and he's been a big star. Like, like that has been plenty of potential potential that we haven't seen the full potential mainstream wrestling audience has not seen the full potential of Keith Lee. So like, all they've seen is NXT, which he was hot act there. But I mean, again, look at you know Bearcat WWE. It's just like nothing. So put him put him in the ring against the heel Daniel Bryan. So I'm I'm buying oh, tickets. Um, Dominic go. Jason Michael Campbell lost 198 pounds. What? Damn, dude, that's awesome. Good for you, man. That that's is that great. Is fucking incredible. I just I thought you said. Wow, I I thought you said you were 190. Pounds. I'm I'm reading. I'm down 198 pounds. Yes, uh, but what 198 now? Or are you saying down to 198? Either so way, it's good stuff. Either way, you're you're killing. Because like, look at that. It's just like I haven't seen. I am as a weight I haven't seen in 30 years. That's great, man. Awesome. That is that's remarkable. Congratulations. Hot damn. Um, Dom Stephen Chambers up next, just spitting fire. Oh, uh, Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't sing it. Bring it. Powerhouse Hobbs is, I mean, you know, it's, I think I've said it before, still a little green, uh, rough around the edges, but man, just bursting, bursting mm-hmm. with potential. Oh man. But charisma too. Charisma. Yep. It's great. Yep. Um, no, Marcus. And like, uh, I mentioned this last week too, is like Ricky Starks, uh, fighting, uh, Jay Lethal. On you gotta give Ricky Starks quarter hour. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Hook. You need hook. Jay Lethal, you just brought that motherfucker in. He's so talented. Uh, where's his TV time? We got to bring know, him it's, in. It's a, it's, it is an issue. Like, Marcus, it's like, you know, oh, so, yeah, that's what I was trying to segue into this. So let me see here. Uh, an interview with uh, Scott Fishman of TV Insider, also of the Miami Herald. Uh, Scott, I've met a couple times. He's a great dude. I did a NWA show with him once. Uh, Khan, the CEO of the company, shared his mindset around the contract negotiations with current members of the roster. He noted that throughout the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, he wanted to keep people under contract, even if they wasn't using them, so they could still make money as wrestlers. But now that the roster has grown so much, Khan admitted that he can't keep everyone. He named ability and fan response as important factors in his decision making. And he emphasized his goal to make sure AEW has the best roster possible. All right. There's, there's a problem in that. Well, let me finish. The quote's not... I didn't even get to the quote. No. So, so he says, When we started, a lot of people had contracts that were a couple years long, and a lot of them are coming up, said Khan. I really have tried hard to be very considerate of the people on the roster, especially going through the pandemic. That encompassed a long period of time where we were still in our first year of television and going into our second. I kept a lot of people under contract, even though I wasn't necessarily using them on television because I wanted to still have paying work, which is hard to come by for wrestling during a pandemic where we don't have any independent shows. Really only two places are running. Really only two places are running. And the other place was cutting people left and right. Very true. I did want to give some job security to people. Now, with so many wrestlers coming in, I can't renew all the contracts. I've had to make some tough choices based on ability, fan response, or both. 
I try to maintain the best roster I can for the company and fans. So there's the quote. So, okay, give your thoughts, Mark. There's a there's an inherent problem in it, and and that problem is that okay, so uh, in theory, it's it's a good idea, right? Where you're whittling down your roster to just like okay, who are the the biggest names, best talent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then you're working yourself into a position where a you've got nothing but dream matches on every single card which in theory sounds good right but but it's it's sort of the same idea of if 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 everything is always good all the time and nothing bad happens you stop appreciating all the good stuff if i walked into your house every day dominic every day but before you started work i came over and knocked on your door and handed you a hundred dollars every day um it would be great and it would continue to be great but then if i stopped doing that on one day even though you're getting a free hundred dollars on that day that i stop you'd be like what the fuck man so and and understandably you've gotten used to this so i think that he tony he being tony khan it works himself into a corner where like somebody's got to do the job somebody's got to do the job regularly and you've got to bring jobbers in to build toward pay-per-views at least that's the way the business has always gone where uh so you need to bring in guys who are strictly enhancement talents and so okay let's say that we do that then you're still facing the same problem so you can bring in a, an indie enhancement talent then for every quarter hour to do the job for one of your stars. You still don't have enough quarter hours. So now you're facing having to put these stars against one another during these quarter hours. And somebody's got to go over. Somebody's got to lose. And then it's like, okay, well, who, do, who does he face next week? Another, another mega star? And who goes over? So I, I think that you work yourself into a corner when you do something like that. Yeah, I mean... It's a, it's a good point, but it's also like, yeah, your roster's bloated. So, therefore, to if you do let contracts run out, I mean, you're going to have less people. But you got to quit signing people, too, is the other issue. And, or you have to make a decision on how you're going to handle these people. Like, you know, when you have – because you do. You have a loaded roster of stars. But, Mark, I mean, if you handle the jobbers, quote-unquote, or – you know, uh, people that you bring carpenters, in, enhancement talent to bring it in to you just bring them in temporarily. You have them under a different kind of stipulation where they're there. Sure, you're maybe taking up certain times, but also you can kind of kind of find the balance with less people on your roster. Ultimately, if that's the route you can take and you make the decision to make, like you know, the tough decisions that that have to be made, then you can come up with a rhythm of okay, absence makes the heart grow fonder for this. You know, this wrestler's not here every week, but we'll showcase him or her in a certain way. Then next week you see them in a match or something like that. If you kind of keep, you know, volleyballing back and forth to use that analogy again, uh, I think it can work. But you have to train the also the fan to not, to your point, not get that $100 every day. You know, right. so right. it's it's tough to walk the line of that, especially when there's name talent out there that – fans do want to see but then a lot of you run into the issue of how are you going to showcase this person that person everything like that but i mean it's a step in the right direction though is it not like i mean it's a tough step to it like is it is let and... the contract expire not resign people but like from a from a presentation perspective and everything like that 
you know, and it doesn't mean like anything, anybody that you let go or let their contract or not, you can't bring them in. It's not, you can't not bring them in again for a short time, like just show up and have a, do a work program with somebody, but it's just like, yeah, you got to make those tough decisions. It's tough, but I mean, heck that's at least, you know, we know that like Tony Khan's thinking about that stuff and you know, it's part of the and- you know, on the flip side of the coin that I brought up, it's not like it used to be in the 80s where, like, you know, you only see the – it used to be you've got top heels and top baby faces, and they never touch on TV, only very, very rarely. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll do interview segments. You might see them in a tag match against each other, um, but they never have a match on, on TV. It's always on TV. Like an MJF, right, that, until the point. That's, that's how it used to be in wrestling. But now the it's changed. And honestly, it's changed because of WCW. Um, WCW wound up acquire, acquiring all this talent, and then all of a sudden it was like every Nitro was an event because Eric, Eric Bischoff was smart. He was like, "Okay, how do I get fans away from WWE? Uh, let's be different and let's 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 give them incredible matches to watch. Let's raise the stakes." And and they did. And then WWE did it in turn. So now this formula of like you know from the eighties where like if, if Ric Flair is wrestling anybody on on TV, it's just like some job guy that they brought in. And then he does an interview about how he's going to be Dusty Rhodes at the next pay-per-view. And then you do it again next week. And then you get to the pay-per-view and they finally wrestle there. Um, but you can't do it anymore because now if if you're just wrestling against enhancement talent on TV, everybody's going to be like, yeah, so what else, what's, what's going on in WWE? You know, oh, shit, they got two superstars facing each other. I'll watch that, you know. Yeah, so, but WWE in turn needs to actually respond with a better product. No way. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 trash over there. Uh, but uh, it, it's 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 weird, man. This is a very weird time in wrestling. Uh, it's like a transitionary time. I think, honestly, I think wrestling would really truly benefit from another national promotion. And weirdly, uh, could you do that? Yeah. Do you think you do you think the the market is there for it? Is what yep. I'm saying another well big here's, wrestling promotion. Here's here's the thing: is like it, it, wrestling is not as hot as it was. You know, you look at the. Uh, the, the viewing audience for for even SmackDown right now. Uh, SmackDown is doing about what uh, WCW was doing uh, before WCW got hot. Yeah. Um, it, like, so early 96. So, like, the numbers are not good right now. Um, in wrestling all around but i think the if you build if you have a national brand um if you're rather if you build a national brand and you you come up with like a pay scale that works for you it really depends on the promoter but i th- i think that you could have a lot of success because there's like there's oh, a sure. lot of really I, talented I free agents out there i agree with that i think you can there is an audience i don't know how much that audience will yield like that type of numbers for all those programs you know what i mean right but um yeah Steve. i mean you got to look into this too. Like, I think it's been stated before. Like, I think Con, Tony Khan stated that AEW is in the television business, and they very much are. Like, so it's like their um, market or their uh, business has ch- like is and like WCW was should have been more focused with the pay per view business of things, and they got away from that. But like, very much like yeah the aw has their pay-per-views but what there's like six a year or something like that so it's like not as much they happen rare so you are more concerned with how your team what's who you're portraying and who you're positioning on television and so um like it just goes to the point of like you really do have to find that balance of like attracting an audience uh but not overshadowing uh, the talent that you have on the screen too so it's something that's uh yeah you, to your point again Marcus transition period 
I think overall in general of the landscape of wrestling, but even in the microclimate of AEW, like is a transition period of like, okay, this is the first time where contracts are actually expiring in the company and, and things need to, things are shifting and changing. And, you know, you're trying to find some stars. You're seeing to Tony Khan's point, you're hearing the reaction and you're getting, getting a gauge for that, you know, <laughs> uh, from popularity and everything like that. So. But, yep. you know, it's, it, it just, it, it raises, uh, you know, like you've got a guy like Trent Beretta, uh, or just Trent or whatever he calls himself now, very talented Trent wrestler. Beretta. It's, he's yeah. going by Trent Beretta. Okay. So he's, he's back. Um, very talented wrestler. Cool. Look, I would be shocked if he ever wins another match on TV. Uh, because when he, those, those quarter hours at TV time, very, very, uh, valuable. And it's like, you might, you'll put him in there cause he's a great worker. He's got a great look, but like, uh, you, who are you going to put him in there against? You got to put him in there against one of your big money stars and he's not going to go over. So it's, 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 it's a weird, it's a weird time, man. Weird time. Very weird time. Very weird time. But to your point, Hey, let's, uh, putting people over and getting over. It's, it's a big, it's a big deal. Like, yeah, that's great. I think like that's, uh, that really says a lot. If you get a win, you know, on television, specifically on rampage, I'm not talking YouTube talking rampage i'm talking dynamite so like that's a big it's a kind of a big deal like that oh, means yeah. something it definitely means something you know so with 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 how valuable that time is you know you can if if people are getting wins on on national tv now uh you can really look at that guy and be like well uh, tony Khan loves that guy yeah something that felt like a big deal marcus cm punk teaming up with john moxley against ftr how about that how about that i thought that was super cool um like just an unlikely alliance you know, a lot of people were thinking, I was thinking too, like my mind was racing because at that juncture where you're seeing uh, Jay White show up, we're seeing Keith Lee make his debut. It's like, what if fucking Samoa Joe comes out and tags with uh, CM Punk again? Well, that would have been, that would have been something. That would have been real something. But uh, John Moxley, like you cannot, I, he, him and Brian Danielson, man, and they're like in a angle together. My two favorite guys right now, I think it's just like, just both doing really good job here. And it was awesome to see punk and Moxley tag up and even given their history, like with the shield and punk going up against the shield and stuff like that. W kind of neat to see that kind of come to a force against a great tag team, personal favorites here of FTR. So um, give me your thoughts on the presentation execution of all that. Yeah. I mean, you know, talented guys i think that john moxley is a very talented skilled technical wrestler i don't like that he always fell back on the whole like all right let's get outside the ring and brawl uh because like I, I would see him having a great te technical match and kind of get away from it um and obviously it's part of his character and we're just always going to see it but man let me tell you it's i mean him cm punk against against technical masters of pro wrestling in ftr just like it was a it was a sight to behold it was. It was really cool. And like, yeah, it just felt like a classic match. And it was awesome. The spot where um where FTR was going for the finish or something or something. And they uh they got it reversed somehow. Like, oh, I think it was Punk knocked Cash off the turnbuckle. Then Mox and him got a hold of Dax and they gave him a doomsday device. Was that what happened? Yes. It's running together a little bit, but, but they got sounds... they, when they hit the doomsday device, that was pretty fucking cool. I love the callback to vintage uh, tag team moves. And, dude, this is how you get tag teams over. Except, again, I think I, I think it need, that should have been a pay-per-view match to me. I Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. It really is. You know? Because, like, 
you did have the tease of like, okay, because it is building like that specifically built is building towards punk and MJF. Like that's, that's the direction it's going in where by accounts, you could cultivate a few between FTR and CM Punk. And, sure. like and even have like maybe in in this series of matches between these two teams, you know, what if uh, MJF is interfering sometimes to make Punk take the L? Yeah, you know. So I, Tony Khan just gave us another hundred bucks there on on Dynamite with this match, and so then like you know uh, if if uh, FTR takes on uh, you know the best friends or whatever, it's it feels like a letdown. Um, so it's it's an issue. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very fair point, Mark. Um, Stephen Chambers says, "Whatever happened, the old school will have to defend the title every thirty days." WWE really veered away from that. Um, was that an AEW rule tool too? Uh, I think it's a. You know, there's so much that wrestling today could really pick from from the older days of things. Like, you know, even simple shit like you know, hey, top rope regulations. Uh, can't go over the top rope. You would get DQ'd if you got thrown over the top rope or some shit like that, you know? Any, any like, little things like that. Uh, I, let me, I'll do a, a good plug here for Terminus. They, uh, I've started watching the pay-per-view here, their first one, and, like, you can tell they're going to go by a lot of, like, those kind of rules and regulations of the match, you know, where, like, certain counts, you can't do certain things and things like that, where it's, like, little more rule-based things going on, um, but um, yeah, I think that's a the the in something like a title defense every thirty days. I think is a good thing too. Um, you know, yeah, you want a fighting champion basically, and it and it keeps not only obviously from a kayfabe standpoint the wrestler hey on the ball of things, but it keeps the checks to the balances of the promotion doing the title justice as well. So, yeah, I uh, I like the old and I think they should do this with the TV or rather with the TNT title is like, Dom, did you know back in the day, uh, the TV title for the NWA, there was it was the only belt that ever had this rule was that the the TV champion didn't have to beat you. You had to beat him in under 20 minutes. So if the match elapses after 20 minutes, after 20 minutes, uh, I think the match carries on in some cases. But if you pin him, you don't win the belt. Yeah. So like you have to be so that when Arn was champion, he would always say that he'd be like, hey, I don't have to beat you. You've got to beat me and you got to do it in under, under 20 minutes. And there's not a man alive that can do it. So it was it was a cool, fun stipulation, and it was a fun way to get out of it. So like Arn could take a loss then, in theory, after twenty minutes, but keep the belt. Keep the belt. And yeah, he no, he gets good. to still be champion even though he lost. So I, twenty I minutes like, makes perfect sense because it's fucking TV. It, it perfect sense. So yeah. honestly, I I would love if they brought that back. But no, it's you know back to Stephen's point. I think it was Stephen who said that. Yes. Um, back to Stephen's point. As soon as the belt started getting looked at as a prop. Um, which, which I think largely it, it ha- began happening in WWE. As soon as the belt started getting looked at as a prop and not a prize, I think that they started to get away from what made fans care. Like, look, there's, there's got to be stakes. Um, and, and if the uh, Intercontinental title is getting traded back and forth between people every two weeks on TV, all of a sudden you're like, uh, who gives a fuck about the Intercontinental title? There's no stakes. No stakes. There's no value in the title, unfortunately, too. It's, that's right. a sad thing because... No joke, Intercontinental title was my title. That was my favorite title. Twenty four seven title is a great example, Dominic. I don't. Who gives a shit who the twenty four seven champ is? 
Dude, and it's sad to say, I'm going to say it now, though. Who gives a shit who the Intercontinental Champion is right now? I mean, I, I know it's Sami Zayn. I was just going to say, I couldn't tell you who it is. Yeah. I don't know. Um, It's just... I thought it was still know. like, uh, what's his name? Apollo. No, that was a long time ago. So, yeah, it, it was no Shinsuke who just was had it. But he never defended it. So, and that's the other thing. He never defended it. Like, it's been forever, like, since he had a title of defense, I think, for a while. And then, finally, they put it on. It's just, like, you have to you have to respect uh, your audience and everything like that by, by putting these titles out in the forefront, making them mean something. Um, so, and I think they're doing a good job with the TNT title and this great, awesome segue. The TBS title as... Uh, Jade Cargill defends it against new acquisition AQA, who delivered one hell of a shooting star press. Marcus, did you see that? I missed it. You missed it. Oh, man. You, I implore you to go and catch it on t- Twitter, one of your social media platforms of choice that you work for with ad free shows. Um, yeah, take a look there uh, because it was a great moonsault. But I, like, all right. So, my girlfriend. She knows zero about wrestling. Knew zero about wrestling before meeting me. Everything like that. So she's had to have been stuck watching wrestling as I've covered it for WrestleZone.com. Uh, here and there. She's very familiar with Impact. She's somewhat familiar with NXT. And she's a little familiar with AEW. Knows nothing about WWE. I was like, we're not watching that. <laughs> <laughs> you put the kibosh on it. <clears throat> for her benefit only. <laughs> um, well, okay. So uh, she was watching with with me on Wednesday night, and who uh, stood out to her but Jade Cargill. She was like, Jade Cargill right now is the top wrestler I only care about right now. And she said because she looks real. Like, she has she looks great, and she looks like she's fighting. She's like, some of the – and she was said this. Some of the guys on AEW that she was watching and seeing – it doesn't look like they're fighting, but for for her to watch Jaden say that, like she didn't look like she was fighting. So stands out to how like and me as just you know somebody that watches wrestling since I was a kid. I like Jade Cargill. I think she's awesome. And so for a, a non wrestling fan to say that too, I think it really says something to the star value and power and potential of Jade Cargill. Marcus, we know you're a fan too, but here, let's get your thoughts. She's a she's a baby face, dude. Mm-hmm. Jade is babyface, and uh, I remember coming on here. I think it might have been the last time I was on here, uh, where I said, "I think Jade, it's time for Jade to be a babyface." You, you really rebuked me on that, but like, uh, she is. She's a babyface, and for that reason, your your girlfriend, who's a novice pro wrestling fan, sees her and likes her, um, and it's hard not to like her. Um, like she, she looks like a million bucks. She is. Uh, is she great in the ring? No. But she looks real, and she's she does a, a serviceable job, and I think she gets better all the time. So like she's she's a baby face and should be a baby face right now. She's young Lex Luger, um, that honestly, and with better skills, more athletic. Um, so yeah, she's a uh, she she belongs, and uh, I I love her as a baby face. And honestly, Dominic, the the person who needs to beat her for that title when the time comes is Serena Deeb. Um, I and I, Serena Deep. 
heal Serena Deeb against babyface Jade Cargill and have it just be like you can you can even make it like you know like the old like uh, Bret Hart versus uh, Diesel thing like hey you know if 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 it as long as it's a brawl um, Jade Cargill has the advantage but like if 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 Jade Cargill's on the ground um, Serena Deeb has the advantage and just have Serena Deeb just catch her um, I I would even say a clean win. Um, I would just, do a clean one. I would do. I would do it underhanded one, but I probably, probably underhanded. But but yeah, it's uh, on it. And and guess what else? Serena Deeb is going to bring the best out of every single person that she gets in the ring with, including Jade Cargill. So uh, to me, it makes sense to build toward those two and have it go that way. But no, man, uh, she's money. Uh, she's got she's got huge potential. She's got like movies, television, modeling all the potential and AEW is very, very lucky to have her when her contract comes up. I got a feeling it's going to be a very expensive one. That's a great point too, Marcus. That's a great point. Nesha does not like Jade. He says, I think, I think a lot of girls uh, and, and guys watching don't like Jade. Um, it just because it's like, we've become used to like a certain type of, of wrestler and she's, she's one of one, right? I've, yeah. I've never seen a human like her. Have you? No, no, it's unbelievable. When I first saw her, I was like, wow. And like even still when I see her, I'm like, wow, because it's like you do not see people like that. Right. And I may I did tell my girlfriend, like, I was like, okay, look at this girl. Like, <laughs> like it's like she could kick anybody's ass. I was like, she could throw us around like right now. Right. So, so it's I, I think we've all become accustomed to like, you know, a certain look, certain style. And she's just like she's she's so different from everybody. I, I think a lot of people see it and are just like, Ugh. I think I think me when I was younger, I'd, I'd probably feel the same way. But, you know, now now that I'm looking at things a little bit more objectively, I'm like, ah, like she's got it. She's movie star potential, action figures, toys, television, name it. She's got it. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, she's, well, honestly, like I could see her in, in five years leaving the wrestling business and becoming a full-time actress. It could, you know, I mean, like, her like action that, star. Her that, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I, I could see her fighting fucking alien. <laughs> right. Uh, Steven says not digging deep's rookie five minute time limit matches. Put that on dark. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, her being on these five minute matches because yes, it's to what uh, kind of what we were saying where it's like, okay, you want to give your uh, a talent a quarter hour or part of a quarter hour. This is a good way to kind of do that. Like, okay. If you want to establish deep as one of your top women's, you know, you want her on that television product. So to put her on there in that kind of type of match where she just like beat somebody very quickly. I don't think that's a problem. I like, I mean, we're both biased because we like Serena deep, but, um, I think I think uh, they're probably building Deeb to be a champion, whether TBS title or just women's title or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think they're building her to be a champion, and uh, this is kind of a good way to do it, in my opinion. Um, I understand his sentiment, but I would counter it by saying, you know, let's let's keep in mind that you want to build somebody to be like this credible, unstoppable force. And like the, the narrative now with Serena Deeb is like, Hey, look, you know, she's like, she's not this giant, huge, strong lady, but she'll fucking, she'll just outwork you and make you tap. I love the tequila sunrise. They're using that. It's right. Oh now. my God. It's awesome. It's awesome. awesome. And like, she's, she's just, she comes off as a shooter and she comes off yeah. as somebody who just like, she just knows more about wrestling than you. She's a professor of professional wrestling. She just knows more about wrestling than you do, and she'll make you tap out. Yeah. 
Next which, I, um, which raises the stakes when she comes up against uh, uh, Jade. Hopefully uh, soon, it's going to be like, okay, who's who's going to win out? Is it Braun or is it technical ability? Right, and it could be kind of cool because that uh, I think it's Steven said this that he was like, get rid of Sterling. You could have Sterling transition over to Serena. Is that he'll he'll team him there? You know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. She belongs with guys like uh, Tully Blanchard and uh, FTR. That's she should be point, that should, that should be point. that should be her group yeah um steven says jade reminds him of beth phoenix i agree with that i can definitely see that um is she doesn't remind me of anybody dominic i've never seen a human like her that's a good point though too yeah mm-hmm. that's a good point uh yeah aqa trained by booker t pretty awesome mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah mark definitely check out that uh shooting star press nesha the only reason i said sammy was the champ because I think I read something where he won it. I don't want to spoil something, but he might have won the title of the taping or something like that. I think Warhawk, uh, close to close to Serena Deeb. I actually grew up in. Oh. Grew up. I didn't grow up there. Okay. I uh, I lived for a couple years in Culpeper, Virginia, so not too far from there. They referenced Culpeper, Virginia, in The Sopranos. Oh, did they? Uh-huh. Uh, when I met David Crockett, I, I I was telling him I used to live uh, below the Mason Dixon line, and he was like, "Where?" I was like, "Yeah, you might know it." I was like, "Culpeper, Virginia." He was like, "We used to run shows there." Like, oh, that's right. Where. I remember him saying that to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David Crockett wanted me to uh, partake in libations. Yes. <laughs> but you were on the clock. I kind of did take a little. Break. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. We'll close some of this out here. Uh, we I have to we got to talk about this though, Marcus. We've talked. You talked about this maybe since the dawn of Two Down My Dudes. Um, Inner Circle, looking like it's uh, on some rocky ground here. Uh, next week it's going to be Jericho and Jake Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. Marcus, is this just a rift in the faction, temporary rift, or is this signs of the end is near for Inner Circle? Steven Chambers is fucking on it. Right as you were saying that, look, he's he's like bringing it up. Uh, well, uh, let me let me say this much. I love the fact that uh, there's that great image out there of Santana snatching Jericho by the throat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, that's a, that's a great image. That's a great image. And uh, to me, that that image in and of itself indicates the end of the uh, inner circle. They're done. Ooh. Now, so he now uh, Steven says Hager turning heel. So if that was to be the indicator, he turns on Jericho. Where does that? Do you see that happening? Do you, what What do you see exactly going on here, Marcus? I think like, I think Jericho's getting ready to take some time off, and uh, and these guys are gonna leave him behind. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that the whole group is turning on him, maybe going their separate ways. Um, but yeah, I think I w- I'm just guessing. I I have no idea, but I would guess that Jericho's getting ready to take a little time off. These guys are gonna leave him laying. And he'll he'll go away for a while and come back as a strong solo babyface. Okay, now I can get behind that. Hey, to what I've said in the past, uh, make him like the the Lionheart again. You know, I would say like yeah, bring him back for like a. There it is, Stephen Chambers saying Jericho's starting his Fozzie tour soon. Oh, um, so yeah, that's that's my guess as to what's going on. But yeah, I wouldn't hate it, and I would say like. Make it like his last go, like where he comes when he comes back. He says, "Like, hey, look, you know, it's 
So I'm getting I'm getting up there in years, and I I want to uh, close it out on a high note and make him say like I'm I'm on I'm on the Chris Jericho goodbye tour, and I want the I want to go out on top. I'm okay. For the Chris call. Jericho loves Kiss, but I don't think he should go the Kiss route where they say hey a final tour coming. <laughs> it's not the final tour. They keep on going. <laughs> Listen, look, Marcus, this is wrestling. Uh, so I think to to say that stuff, you know. They might mean it. It could at some point. I don't think you should say it. I think, you know, and I was even listening to Jericho on commentary at Rampage. And I'm like, dude, and maybe just think, we're going to miss Jericho when he's not wrestling anymore. It's going to happen. Like, at some point, it's, it's just... It's not, it's not that far away, and you're right. We got to enjoy it while we've still got Jericho wrestling. Right. And but... you know what? But, like, you look at, I mean, you look at guys today, whether it's in wrestling or sports, like... <laughs> guys are playing in their older ages now and it's just like you have that potential to to do a spot here and there as as a pro wrestler you don't have like if you're a jericho you can pick and choose your moments to come back and do stuff i mean fucking shane mcmahon i'm not a fan of shane mcmahon but he comes out and does a spot and get here gets over and then he's gone for a few months or doesn't wrestle for a month and a half he can recover but it's just like uh, and he's not that good of a wrestler, but you look at somebody like a Jericho that knows what he's doing and that, that can adapt in certain matches and make things work and knows the, the routes to take with that, whether he's wrestling a veteran or a new guy or whatever. And like, there's legs to, he doesn't, you don't need to have a retirement tour. You don't need to have anything like that. You know, well, can we, can we agree that when he does retire, it needs to be in, in the uh, final match with Kenny Omega, the best of three. That'd be pretty darn cool. Yeah, that's how it's got to go. Okay, I can I can get behind that at least. Yeah, Warhawk, he does make it like he he. I think he makes a great commentator. People touch upon like, oh, he's loud, he yells and says stuff. That's great. You don't. Get, he's he's like a classic color commentator that you want on there. That's like he, he's he loud. He's loud. He yells stuff. Uh, that sounds like Jerry Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> didn't who bobby heenan didn't he kind of yell a little bit here make jokes sure. crack jesse all that stuff? jesse ventura yeah i mean that's just kind of the thing and you know uh i think there's plenty of room in that for wrestling so no uh i think there's plenty of legs with jericho whether it's still in the ring or on the commentary so um okay uh that death match marcus what'd you think of that Remind me who was in the death match. Uh, the main event, Archer and Hangman. Oh my gosh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, it was good. Uh, you know, Eric Bischoff made a made a point on uh, on his podcast this past week, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, Dominic. Mm-hmm. Um, overdone, overdone with blood. Um, and now he wasn't referencing this match specifically. He was talking about some match that happened in 2012, but uh, he in was just saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it kind of relates to today in that he was he was just saying like it's overdone ad nauseum. Um, you know the the blood in pro wrestling is just like we've seen it so much it kind of doesn't mean anything anymore, right? Where like back in the day it used to be like very shocking, like really gruesome. Like the fans would all start standing up and say like holy shit, like you know this match has got to be over soon. That dude is bleeding. Um, but now it's just like, you know, I'm like, I'm like fucking eating ice cream on my couch and like looking at my phone, like, oh, he's, he's bleeding. Damn. Yeah. And it's a great visual, like, uh, hangman, the way he like hangman's good looking dude. And then just blood's covering his face and stuff like that. It's good visual, but yeah, Mark, it's like, it happens a lot. 
and you know and it happens in a manner and in, in aew it happens in the manner of um you know when you saw nick gage and jericho i was still like hey that was fun for what it was let's not see that for a while though like you know what i mean and so uh because when that shit does happen it means a lot it means a lot and i think you know you had moxley fighting lance archer in this texas death match before then you've had hangman doing it um it's neat seeing uh, a person like hangman being in an environment like that and like ultimately coming out on top like winning something he's not like this is lance archer's playground and you know for him to come into lance's playground and, and like beat him in such a very cool way i thought the setup and the execution of the match was great the story told in the match was awesome and some of those spots that they did were fucking cool like lance giving him the blackout on the side of the steps like and then the finish or, or the whole story of them t- taking off the second like hangman hitting the buckshot early in the match and like almost getting the win there but then dan lambert and jake untying the top rope and removing that out of the equation told such an interesting element how's hangman gonna win without a buckshot and then he uses the ref and the barbed wire wrapped around his forearm to hit the buckshot to lance archer through the tables to get the win i thought was a cool badass finish and a great way to position hangman to your point and to bischoff's point yeah a lot of blood uh a little over overdone in that manner like in today's day and age where it's like if you're gonna do those stuff make them happen a lot rarer than even what we've been seeing as of recent on AEW and stuff like that because uh they mean more when that happens but i will say i really enjoyed the match uh you know and uh i I love Adam Page and I love uh, Lance Archer. And now it's, yeah, it looks like they're transitioning Adam Cole here coming up. And well, and here's the thing too, man, is like uh, to your point, it's uh, when you do something like that with Adam Page, you're like, okay, he, he can, he can hang with anybody, right? That's, that should be like the vibe that we take away from that. Like, Hey, look, he, if it's a brawl, he's, he can do it. If it's a technical wrestling match, he can do it, you know, like, and, and that's kind of what you want out of a champion. So yeah, I like, I, I I thought it was fine. Uh, I just I, I think that hearing Bischoff talk about that on on uh, this past week's eighty three weeks and uh, and putting those pieces together uh, this week, I was like, ah, he's, he makes a good point. You know, like the last time, so so I, the last time blood really meant anything to me uh, was live twenty nineteen. Uh, when you and I saw yeah. Cody versus Dustin and Dustin was just bleeding a gusher yeah. to the point where I was like, it, he might need to go to the hospital after this match. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, that raised the stakes. Um, I will say a little bit uh, when it came to Jericho and uh, in the death match with it's Nick Gage, because, because, Jer- because of Jericho's age um, and you don't really, you don't associate him with that sort of thing. Um, so that in that case, I remember I was, I was like, I need to watch this match. Yeah, I, yeah. I like, I went out of my way to see it, um, just because of those stakes. So, so really, those are the last time I, I will also I, say, Britt Baker, uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Lights out match with Britt so, Baker. So, here's Davis. the thing is, I, I don't know what the blood necessarily meant as much as, as far as raising stakes. I think it, it more meant, meant more as a, as a moment, as an iconic moment. Yes. Okay. I agree with uh, that. So yeah, I don't, th- I don't think it necessarily raised the stakes of the match so much as it, uh, it just but, provided one of those like uh, highlight real moments. Yeah. In a, in a certain way though, it kind of did raise the stakes because you don't see that in a lot of women's matches. That's so. true. Uh, it does mean something in women's matches, mm-hmm. which, which I, I don't think is right. I think it should be fair across the 
board as far as how we how we perceive it but uh but no you're right I, as of right now yes that's yeah. true but yeah no I, I i am with you on the fact that hey let's see a lot of blood less on occasion like you know make it make it once a year something like that right uh stephen chambers bunny got busted open on rampage too yes so, uh, i know i just thought about they, that they, they they keep they're going back to the well a little bit too often i think yeah. it should be a, a rarity i think that's an ultimate thing that a lot of people can mostly agree on with that um i i'm sure you know stephen uh tbs is probably okayed it you know I, yeah it's a good point though i mean they're on a new network and stuff like that maybe they want to handle things differently than even tnt does but you know, I'm sure they they're aware of what the AEW product has been and what they've presented in the past. So I'm sure that they knew that going into the whole game and scheme of things. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's like look when it comes to these stations, it really comes down to advertisers and who's willing to advertise. So like you know, I I think advertisers are aware uh, that like okay, like these specific demos are fine with this. Is this the demo that we're trying to capture? You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really think that that's, that's what it boils down in to fact, in the end. This, uh, the ratings for this past week, uh, highest, I think, said they were since October. Yeah. Uh, number one in cable. It's, uh, it was, it was cheap, though. It was cheap because, because oh. of the whole, like, we're, we're, um, we're bringing somebody on. So, like, I, I'm not, I'm not very impressed by that. I will be super impressed by that if those numbers maintain into this coming week. Coming week. Well, we have, Brian Danielson versus Lee Moriarty on tap. And we also have uh, Sammy Guevara defending his TNT championship against the very established TNT champion in Darby Allen. So uh, do you think this is a moment where they further cement Sammy as a defending champion to beat Darby Allen? Or uh, would you, is there a possibility that we see Darby regain the title on Wednesday? No way. I agree. No, Sammy, I think that they're they're running with Sammy right now. And, you know, who's Darby actually feuding with? Um, I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. Well, he came out. Oh, Andrade. It's going to be Andrade coming out. Okay. So Andrade's going to come out with a distraction or something. Good point. Great point. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no. It, uh, Sammy Guevara, I think, I think they're rolling with him a little. Hey, also. I gotta throw this in. What's going on with Matt Hardy? He's like, uh, he's bailing on private party here. Um, it's a uh, some like Jeff, brother Jeff is gonna be. They're gonna be wrestling together for the first time March twelfth. Big time wrestling. Yeah, uh, I mean uh, Jeff is coming in. Uh, I don't think there's any and if or but about it. And I think that their first opponents are gonna be private party. That's awesome, dude. I'm fucking pumped. <laughs> So I, w- I will say, uh, bringing the Hardy brothers to- back together on on uh, AEW, it's it's pretty fun. Now, it's again, we're just uh, you know the the bucket's full, and we're trying to squeeze a couple more fucking drops into it. But but uh, it's still it's still fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I know. That's, I, I mean, that's it's a transitional time in wrestling, and it's still a very fun time in wrestling. And it's then the Bucks are coming around. Mm-hmm. Uh, there. This this breathes new life into Matt Hardy, I think, in AEW. Oh yeah, uh, bringing his brother in for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely, okay, and he's still got a lot of life left to him. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting. It is exciting. So hey, you can check out Matt Hardy on Podcast Heat, by the way. Podcast um, Heat, dumb. Uh huh. The Extreme Light Life. Yes, sir. Matt Hardy, and then also uh, Wise Wrestling. That's a great show on Podcast Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy Orton's wife, Kim. 
Kurt Angle's wife, Giovanna. And uh, they, they're talking about just stuff, you know, as being married women of pro wrestlers. You're going to hear stories on that one that you, you'll never hear anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. One of a kind kind of stuff. Yes. So, uh, Marcus, we're getting into the plug segment of the show. Hey, talk about some ad-free shows, will you? Yeah, absolutely. I did want to mention, you know, also on podcast, he, I mean, Flair Uncensored, you can't do much better than getting to talk to the nature boy. Uh, and Mark Madden will, he's his co-host. He'll, if you, Mark Madden, a couple times a week, he'll like put out on his, on his Twitter, like, Hey, who's got questions for Flair Uncensored? There's a good chance he'll read one of your questions eventually. So it's, you know, if you got a question for Nate, by all means, drop it, follow Mark Madden and drop it in there. Flair Uncensored is awesome. Uh, Sadler Senator. It's another one with podcast yes. heat. That one's awesome. Uh, check out podcast heat in general. They got some great shows, but yeah, man, uh, Again, ad free shows is you know we were talking about Serena Deeb, the professor of professional wrestling. Guess who was just on adfreeshows.com talking to our top guy members? The professor of professional wrestling came in and had conversation, answered questions. Uh, I got to cut some film for it and watch a lot of it, and it, it's I mean you want to talk about insightful, intelligent Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb is one of a kind when it comes to wrestling ability and wrestling knowledge. Um, but yeah, uh, again, I encourage everybody check out adfreeshows.com. There's a free trial going on 10 day free trial adfreetrial.com. Um, so go, go check it out. Uh, by all means, you know, it's, it's well, well worth it. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you can afford it, uh, top guy member, uh, my push member, there's so many perks, so many awesome things you get to do tons of interaction with your favorite wrestlers. So yeah, by all means, uh, check out adfreeshows.com. And that is it for the plug section, Dom. I got nothing. Nesha says she should find herself a wrestler, be a wrestler's wife. Yes, what a what a life. What a Man. life. I'm trying to think. Who would who would you want to marry, Nesha? That's uh I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say John Cena Dominic. Think, oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> just just taking a shot at it. Just a hunch there. Yeah. <laughs> and Nesha's name on Twitter, I believe, is Miss Cena Lover. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm like, you know, maybe put two together. I'm like, I'm like fucking Sherlock Holmes out here, just putting the pieces together. Yeah. There you go. Um. Anywho, Dom. Uh. Anything else to plug? Uh. Yeah. I mean, just uh, WrestleZone.com. Go there for your wrestling news needs. Uh, as far as interviews are concerned, uh, I have a recent one with Charlie Haas that just got published. Charlie Haas, Marcus knows, has one of my favorite wrestlers when I was in college and stuff like that, like just being a casual fan in college, I always always tune in and see how Charlie Haas was doing, what he was up to. He was my guy. And so it was really neat to speak to him for the first time and stuff. And he's such a smart dude, uh, knows the business very well, uh, gave some great perspective from an amateur wrestling standpoint of things. And um, wants to get back in the mix of things and like still, uh, Named a list of wrestlers that you can check out on WrestleZone.com that he wants to wrestle. Some interesting names, some really intriguing names that uh, would be really cool to see. He has a cool story about the Briscoe brothers. Him and his uh, late brother, Russ, uh, were the ones that broke him in, broke them into the business. And Marcus and I, I told Charlie this too when we were on the air, we saw the Haas brothers wrestle on Raw in a dark match. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Marcus, but it was Charlie and Russ against, I believe, K. Quick and the Road Dog. Dark wow, country. I do not remember that, but that's you don't awesome. remember that it was when State College when we went to Ron State College. Yeah, that was also the event where uh, there was a ladder match between Edge and Christian. They did the uh, spear off the uh, yep. Yep. from the uh, belt spot. 
Um, and now they did it at WrestleMania more more famously, but I think that we saw that happen before it actually happened at WrestleMania. Oh, we did. Uh huh. Yeah. So, remember, like, so Dominic and I were there in theory the first televised time that that spear from the uh, to Jeff while he's hanging from the belts happened. Right. Um, but Charlie Haas, man, it's a great technical wrestler, and he was under the tutelage of another great technical wrestler who wound up going on to some pretty decent fame, Kurt Angle. So, like, you know, you want to talk about sitting under the learning tree. It's like not only can he relate to him as a technical uh, shooter coming into pro wrestling, uh, but then it's like and now here's how you polish your pro wrestling skills. You know what? He's he like talked about like adapting the styles from like New Japan and all all that stuff and picking from like Arn and Tully and all that stuff and you know incorporating that in your style and stuff like that and that creates a good foundation that like unfortunately a lot of talents the way that WWE is recruiting them are not going to learn that way. They're only going to learn learn this NXT WWE method that even right now seems a little like, hey, who's going to be like, you're going to have a smart talent training them like guys like Steve Carino and Johnny Saint, I believe still there. And um, I'm sure I'm missing a couple others, but you lost guys too, like William Regal and uh, other coaches that are, you know, the road dog and things like that, that, that know that have had history in the business and stuff like that. Not to say Carino hasn't at all whatsoever, or, you know, anybody like that, because they have, but it's just like, there's a certain style that WWE wrestles and that's the way they're going to teach it. So like nowadays, like to get guys like a Charlie Haas back in the mix and wrestle, like, you know, because during this time, Marcus, it was right when our boy, Jeff Jarrett was uh, in GCW, like wrestling Effie. So it's like you create, it's a good landscape to, to have these matches and these fantasy, like weird out there that you never fathom matches going on between between uh you know maybe a legacy star and a, a growing talent today so speaking of jeff jarrett dude did you hear he's going to be the ambassador for the uh, upcoming yes, nwa crockett show cup. for the crockett, crockett cup how yeah. cool is that i love i love that nwa is doing that i love that they uh have so much respect for tradition and like you know jeff jarrett was uh, I, I can't remember how many times he's been nwa champion but like you know that's that is a prestigious belt um uh, so much so much history uh what an incredible lineage so it's really cool i would cool. probably say it's my favorite looking title in all of wrestling the rumor has it but and i think that jeff may have said this on the podcast uh, one of the things that hulk hogan said back in 2003 when he was first looking at getting into tna was that he wanted to hold the nwa title um because it was like it was held by people that he had so much respect for and he was like i want to i want to be that the champion um, so it's like, if, if you got a guy like Hulk Hogan, who's like, he's made his money, you know, he's, he's, he had done everything in wrestling by that point, but there, that was something he wanted to check off his list. I mean, that is, is a prestigious belt. And, uh, it's just, I, I just think it's awesome that, um, NWA has respect for, uh, for legends like, like double J hundred percent, hundred percent. No, it's neat to see Jeff in that mix again, you know, um, Nesha's flicking the lights on and off to us. <laughs> She's heading out. Y'all have oh. a great night. So I think, uh, Marcus, it's time for us to close out the show. Yeah, yeah. Nesh is like the bartender at the bar, and it's like 2.15 a.m. You played like, semi-sonic closing time. Yeah, they're like, okay, everybody get the fuck out. All right, time to, time to hit the bricks. Marcus, hey, welcome back, man. It's nice to have you again. Yeah, I'll see you guys in like a month. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, in, in truth... I'm I'm trying to get get on here as often as I can. I do love doing this. I love uh, just chatting wrestling and talking to the, to the uh, community here. But hey, man, this is what it is. I'm a busy I'm a busy boy, Dom. Hey, and I think it's confirmed. WCW rewritten is coming back. 
Marcus confirmed it's night. It's it'll come back eventually. Hey, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Probably. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe when I'm in my sixties. <laughs> so right. once I once I retire from full time work. Now it's uh, I'm I'm sure we could probably figure out some way to do it once a month, but it's not in the cards right now. All right, we'll 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 hash it out. It, it, the future is open, so there we go. We'll figure it out, man. We'll figure it out just like. We appreciate you figuring us out by sticking with us uh, for this past hour and a half almost. So, all right, yeah, guys. This is a long one. It's been a real doozy of one. I tell you what. All right. We'll see you next week here on Two. Two who, Marcus? Down my dudes on a rampage. All right. See you guys. See you guys.